0: Your father's good pleasure, Mr. Steve Andrews.
1: Well, greetings, brethren. I'm usually used to having a mic that I can walk around in, or on, or with, whatever whichever way you want to talk, say it. But uh, I'll try to stay right here, and so you can hear me. Um. Ian um, open the door. <laughs> uh, so part of this message is for everybody, and the second half of it is also for everybody. but I'm going to try to answer some questions that are very intelligent young people gave us. <laughs> but Jesus was always um, he was always preaching, teaching. Sometimes he was preaching and teaching in parables, other times he, was, he had his disciples with him and he was explaining, trying to help them to understand the truth of the kingdom of God. All the time he was trying to bring the Father's message to this world. Thankfully, we are so blessed to have all of that in our Bible so that we can go and we can look at it and we can understand what Jesus brought. The first, the first scriptures I'd like to look at has to do with what Jesus said. He was talking to a crowd, and it was in Luke, the 12th chapter. I went in and checked to make sure that I was correct. He was, um, there was a crowd of people there, and he began to teach this particular part of it, beginning in verse 22. He said, Therefore I, I say to you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for your body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them how much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubic? If you then be able not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O of little faith? Seek you not that <clears throat> seek seek not you what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither. Be you doubtf- of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather seek you the kingdom of God, and all these shall be added to you. And this is where I wanted to, to, um, uh, to add in here. Fear not. Fear not, little flock. Fear not, ch- sons of God. Fear not. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom And I'm talking about all of us from the littlest baby that we put our hands on and ask God to bless to the elderly (laughs) that are standing in front of you and that are here. All have access to God and to the kingdom of God. Fear not. This is a feast for families. And I was thinking about this because there's... There's such a mixture. There's uh, um, families with little children, and there's families uh, that have already raised their kids. There's families um, uh, that have grandchildren. And then there's people maybe coming that, that don't have any family at all. And yet, God is your Father, and we are your sons and your daughters in Christ. So we're all family. We quote this so often in Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter. Sometimes we we actually miss something there that is so important. We talk about the rejoicing, but one of the things that we, we sometimes miss is how family-oriented God is to the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, and to his other feasts also, but for us in this day and age when this is when this is fulfilled and we're in that kingdom and we're ruling with Jesus Christ, this will be our our festival that we will be teaching those people that will be in the kingdom to keep and to observe. And we'll be out there teaching them. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles, verse 13, seven days after the, you have gathered in your corn and your wine, and you shall rejoice in your feast. You and your son and your daughter your manservant and your maidservant and the Levite and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are inside your gates. Seven days shall you keep a solemn feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord shall choose because the Lord your God shall bless you in all your increase in all the works of your hands. Therefore, you shall surely rejoice. We come here as his children. We come here for God to instruct us. And also we come before God so that he is pleased with his children to be before him. He wants his children together. He wants us to be there so that he can instruct us, guide us, and lead us. The feast is a wonderful time for all of us to gather together and to be together. No matter where we are, what feast site we are, that we keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In John, the first chapter, John one, Jesus says this. It's kind of interesting. I just pulled this out and was looking at it, and was so profound. Verse eleven. And he came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We have the power from Jesus Christ to become the very sons of God. And we learn that during the feast because this is a family-oriented Feast of Tabernacles from God, and we are his sons and daughters, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So all of this is for God. All of this is, is what he is wanting us to participate in, to be a part of his Feast of Tabernacles. This being the la- that seventh day of the Feast. We have one more, last great day coming. John, the- just a little bit over, John the second chapter. As we look here, Jesus in John 2, verses 1 through 12. And that third day, there was a marriage in Cana and Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now I want you to see, Jesus had family. He wasn't alone. He had family. He had a mother. Now his father, Joseph, you know, the physical father, may have died. And so he may have had to raise some of those. He may have been working with his mother to raise his brothers and his sisters. He had brethren. So notice some things here. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So uh, they all came to this marriage. They were, they were invited to this marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said, Woman, what I have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. But look what happened. He obeyed his mother. His mother said to the servants, whatsoever he says to, to you to do, do it. And there were set before there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. That's 18 to 27 gallons. <laughs> I have a little note. 18 or 27 gallons, depending on what that, you know, the actual measurement of that. That's a lot of wine. Fill, water pots with, uh, fill the, the water pots with water, and they fill them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw out now and bear to the government of the feast. And they bore it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine and knew not where it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning does set good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But you have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan and Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and uh, and his disciples believed on him. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, and his brethren, and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. So he had a a whole group. There was a family affair going on. Jesus was not alone. We know that there were always crowds around them, listening to his words, but he also had family. He also had family. In Mark the ninth chapter, beginning, Mark the ninth, oops, let's go the other way. Beginning in um, verse 36, just a couple of verses here. We, um, we do this every year at the Feast of Tabernacles, and sometimes in the, in the local congregations we'll also ask if someone wasn't able to make it and they've just had a little ch- child and they would like to have that blessing. We have the blessing of children. Well, we, we, we get that from Jesus. <laughs> we, don't, we didn't come up with that. Sometimes I feel inadequate because it was Jesus that picked up that little child. He took a child and set him in the midst of them, verse 36, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receives me, and whosoever shall receive me receives not me, but him that sent me. So when we ask God's blessing, we want that child to be a part of the family of God. We want them to be in the family of God. We would like to have them in the kingdom with us. I know when my children were blessed. I wanted my children in the kingdom of God. I wanted them to all be there. And I want my grandchildren. And I want your children in the kingdom. I'd like to have the feast in which all of us get together. Oh, yeah, I remember you. I remember, yeah, we we talked at the Feast of Tabernacles in Branson, Missouri. Or we talked in Destin. Or in Wagner. Or wherever. We talked to each each other in the kingdom. And we will see each other there. In John the um, 10th chapter, John 10, just right over here. Another one. They brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. That's a very interesting scenario here. Very interesting scenario. All these, these people surrounding Jesus, and they and some of the people wanted Jesus to, to to bless their children. And their disciples, oh no, don't don't bring him up there. Don't bring these children up here. He's preaching to the to the elders. He's, he's preaching to the old people. <laughs> well, I can just almost see it now. Jesus rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Now, that, that, has a, that has a connotation that he was very indignant with his own disciples. He was very displeased with them. And he said to them, Allow the little children to come to me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, He's not going to enter therein. We must under, we must come to an understanding of what little children are like, or we're not going to make it into the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's very hard, isn't it? As we get older, we the little children get further and further away from us. Even though we we have grandchildren and all of that, we see that we this it's like there's a there's we can't remember sometimes what it was like. And yet if you sit down and you think about the days when your parents were raising you, and you were a little child, and you begin to remember five, six years old and those times in your life when you were a little child, you can go back, you can realize what it was like. Some of the spankings that we got, some of the hugs that we got, some of the things that we did together as, as, as family My kids have pretty much grown up in the church, so they remember the the Feast of Tabernacles and, and all of the things that we've done over the years. And so I'm very, very thankful. So he took them up into his arms. He put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. Jesus blessed the little children. And so we do that every year. In John the 19th chapter, John 19, Beginning of verse uh, 25 and through 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene, standing by the cross. Now the, the men had kind of stood, but the women were there. His mother was there. And, of course, maybe some of them, as he was dying, they came up because when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by, which was John, whom he loved, he said to his mother, "Whom, Woman, behold your son. And said he to the disciples, Behold your disciple, behold your mother. And from that day, that hour, that disciple took her to his home. So we see that Jesus, even in the last hours, last minutes of his life, was concerned about family, concerned about his mother. He loved everyone on this earth and he even asked for the forgiveness because they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know who they were crucifying. And so it was interesting that wonderful opportunity that we have of reading that and understanding the heart of Jesus even on the cross as he was dying. In Matthew, i got a couple here that are um, Matthew 11th chapter. Matthew 11 and beginning in verse 28. Jesus has such a heart for each and every one of us, for our whole family. And he says, Come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light if we could, sh- if we could help our, our young um, young people to understand that to go to Jesus when they, when they have troubles and trials to come to us too sometimes our kids don't want to come to us but they need to be able to know that they, they have a, a place where they can come and, and talk and they need to know that Jesus has a concern for them in their life. In Matthew, I have one more here. In Matthew, in John the 7th chapter. Sorry about that. John the 7th chapter. John 7 37 and 38. All of the, let's see, is that where I want to? Oh, I'm in the wrong one. Let's, I do that sometimes. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Jesus wants us to come to him. He wants all to learn about him. He wants all to come to him. He that believes on me, as the scripture said, has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That is available to all. And when... A young person grows up in the church and he is ready for baptism. We, tr- we try to help them to understand that that spirit will be given to them so that they can have that personal relationship as they, as they can even before that, that spirit is given. But it's even, in, even greater because now they become that new man, that new person in Christ. And they have a, have a, have a great and wonderful life and they have a great and wonderful future. And all of our children in this, in this way have a wonderful future ahead of them. To all of our youth, it's your heavenly Father's good pleasure to have you in his kingdom. I wrote that down because I think that's very important. Your challenges, young people, are different than my challenges. When I was young and I was growing up, uh, there was a lot of things that were totally different. And all of you older people can, can relate to that. And there's some that are, we have a lot of different ages in this, in this room. And so you can relate to the different things that have happened during the time that you have lived. But the challenges for our young people today are quite a bit different than when, when I was young and when I was growing up. There's even things that are different in the church, challenges and times of the society of changes have changed, the world is, is quite a, quite different. But one thing that we know, one thing that we understand, this book never changes. God the Father and Jesus Christ have not changed. They are the same today, they yesterday, today, and forever. And so when you go to this book and you look in this book, you know that there is eternal words there. There is comfort there. There is strength there. There is a way of life there that can guide and lead us. Now, that's only a part of my message <laughs> because, as I said, Ian challenged the young people to uh, give us some questions, and so I'm going to try to answer some of those. But first of all, I'd, I'd like to turn the, 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 um, the mic over to Kim Webb. I guess that the, 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 she was also impressed and challenged by the young people. Um, she had um, what, 25, 30? How many? 22. 22? Wow, 22 young people. <laughs> <laughs> what a challenge, Kim. <laughs> she did it though. Come on up here. Give us a. Give us your feel and. <laughs>
0: Thank you. And go team teenagers. Yay, they've been awesome. Um, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kim Witt. I'm from the Tulsa, Oklahoma congregation. Um, As uh, Steve said, we had 22 teenagers this feast. And I got to tell you, almost every single day, we were packed in the room. I'm not complaining about the room. My point is, they showed up every single day. They kept coming back and that doesn't always happen. So it's a real credit to first of all, the teenagers, second of all, the parents, and thirdly, all of us for providing an environment that makes them feel comfortable and excited to be a part of the family of God and learn more about about God and Jesus and his kingdom. Okay, so if you didn't guess, thank you. The theme was Salvation University. And I know I'm echoing, do I need to step back? Step closer. Okay, Um, Salvation University, so they all got these backpacks. You might have seen them kicking around a little bit. And we looked at things such as Jesus is our strength, Jesus is our light, our joy, and our hope. We also took a little bit of a spin on Salvation University theme and looked at keys to the kingdom of God. Some of the keys that we took a look at are grace and faith, love, strength, joy, hope, and light, some of the things that we just mentioned. I thought that the easiest way to kind of give you a a synopsis of what we did was to show you the culminating activity that we did today. In a nutshell, the rope is representative that Jesus came to set the captives free. The sand shows that, well, sorry, and then the key, of course, is that Jesus is the key. He's the door through which we can obtain eternal salvation. The sand represents God's thoughts towards us, are as numerous as the sands upon the sea. Jesus is our rock through which we also obtain these other elements that we talked about just briefly. Finally, the candle itself. Jesus said that he is the light of the world, and his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But then he also said that we are the the light of the world. And that includes our youth, our teenagers, our young people. And so I've challenged them to share this with others, to share this gospel message, and be a light unto the world. And as Steve mentioned, they did challenge me. I I taught the class because I love to teach the class. But I also, more than that, love to learn. And I learned so much from our young people. I was just blown away. Um, Everybody participated. Fully, actively, it was amazing. They, I would forget a scripture or not remember a reference. And without even me asking, they would whip out their swords, which swords don't necessarily look like this in the teen class. They more look like a cell phone. Lightning fast. <laughs> or at least as fast as your Wi-Fi connection that day. Um, <laughs> anyway, a couple of stories that I wanted to share. And I won't give names because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But there were just some really amazing, amazing things that happened in class. We are talking about uh, I believe it was love and we're talking about spending time with the Lord and being filled up um, with time with the Holy Spirit working with us and that Jesus came to cover a multitude of our sins. Let me get something real quick. And we're also talking about the attitude that we can have towards prayer and Bible study. And so I gave them a glass half empty or half full. How do you look at things? I also gave them a bottle of water representing the Holy Spirit, spending time with Jesus and God, etc. So I'm thinking it's all about attitude. You know what they said? Miss Kim, even when the water level is only up to here, the glass is still full. Does anybody know why? Because of God's grace. I saw RJ's hand because of God's grace, because even if we're only up to here in our Bible study and relationship, God's grace covers us the rest of the way. And we're still filled up by his love and his grace and his mercy blew me away. And that wasn't just the only time that that happened. Just a couple more brief stories. We are working on joy another day. We gave out bubbles, and we also gave out bracelets. And my challenge to the students was to share those. Share that joy. Keep one for yourself and give a bubble to somebody else. Keep a bracelet and give one away. It was their choice. I had one student stand up and say, Ms. Kim, forgive me if I get emotional. This really really touched me a lot. I'm giving you this bracelet, which says strength because you have given me the greatest gift of all, the gift of God's word. Amazing, amazing. This is coming from our young people. I just, I just cannot say enough how impassioned they are, how hungry they are, like Curtis mentioned yesterday, to hear the word of God, to hunger and thirst for his truth and his righteousness. I just hope that I can impart that a little bit to you. And I'm honored to serve and be a part of a family who supports our young people in their quest towards a deeper relationship with God and Jesus. And um, I I encourage you not to just provide opportunities of service at at the feast, but look around if you got home congregations, opportunities for the young people to serve there as well. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Yes. We have a wealth of of uh, young people who think, <laughs> and um, it's interesting. The um, we were talking about the different uh, things, and, and uh, so the um, so the young people gave us a box of questions, and so I thought I would start with uh, a scripture in this this question answer thing. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm not very good at answering all the questions in the way that they you know, they should be, but I think today I'm hoping that I will give some fairly good old age questions to our young pay people. For instance, um, a good place to start for all of you, for all of our young people, is, is the book of Proverbs. If you want to be able to get through society today and any time, Book of Proverbs is the best place, and it says in Proverbs one, beginning in verse seven, it says, "Fear the Lord." The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's that, that's eternal understanding. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. That is the first place that all children should should turn, especially children that are in the kingdom, that are in the in the church. They should go. They should hear the instruction of their mother and father. They're trying to be, they're trying to nurture them and bring them up in this way of life. And they're trying to help them to understand Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so they should go and hear the instruction of your mother and your father first. For they shall be an ornament of grace to your head and chains about your neck. Well I thought that was was um, was a good start. Go to your mother, your father, and that wisdom is there. Well, one of the questions was on Valentine's Day. So they said, What's what's wrong with Valentine's Day? You no, know, it's not a religious holiday or anything. And why why can't we keep Valentine's Day? So uh, what did I do? I, I got this out. Now, kids. You all have these things. right? I've got. Um, let's see. I have this. I have this. Uh, where's the other one? I have it somewhere too. Oh, I must have left it in mature I got I got them everywhere. So, uh, my grand my granddaughter. She she picks up the, the um, uh, my phone, and and she scoots it over. She's a little over one. She scoots it over, and she pushes the YouTube. And then she goes and pushes up until she finds the the uh, thing that she wants to play, and so she pushes that and she starts playing it. She knows at that age more than I knew until I got to the point where I w- was capable of even opening an amp, <laughs> and it was yeah you know, I was pretty old before that happened. So it's it's amazing how our young people can pick up this. And, and really use it. So I went, <clears throat> uh-oh, I lost it. No I, didn't. no, I didn't. No, it's there. It's there. Don't worry. I'm going I'm to tell you. Valentine's Day is a time to celebrate romance and love and kissy fa- face fidelity. But the origins of this festival of candy and cupids are actually dark, bloody, and a bit muddled. Though no one has pinpointed the exact origin of the holiday, one good place to start is ancient Rome, where men hit on women by well hitting them. Well hitting them. So, from February 13th to the 15th, the Romans celebrated the f- festival of Lupercalia. I think that's how you pr- pronounce it. The men sacrificed a goat and a dog, then whipped the women with the hides of the animals they had just slain. That's the origin of Valentine's Day. <laughs> The Roman romantics were drunk. They were naked, says Noel Linsky, a historian at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Young, men, young women would actually line up for them to hit them, Linsky said. They believed this would make them fertile. The brutal fete included a matchmaking lottery in which young men drew the names of the women from a jar, and the couple would then be um, coupled up to the duration of the festival or longer if the match was right. The ancient Romans may also have been responsible for the name of our modern day of love. Emperor Claudius II executed two men, both named Valentine, Valentine, on February 14th of different years in the third century AD. Their martyrdom was honored by the Catholic Church with the celebration of St. Valentine's Day. So you can see by going to the iPad, you can find out all about Valentine's Day. Of course, you know, life is, is full of, of trying to figure out what, what uh, things are all about. And we, ha- we live in a society that seems to be very open with a lot of things. One of those things that seems to, to be cropping up a lot is tattoos. Um, I, um, I lived in Silent Springs, Arkansas for about a year, maybe a little over a year. And uh, it was like 5,000 people in Siloam Springs. We moved away, moved back to Tulsa. Actually moved to Henrietta and then to Tulsa. But When I went back several years later, guess what the first thing I noticed in Siloam was? Instead of having the bar, which was in Oklahoma, it's illegal to have liquor in Benton County, but I did find that they were the first ones to put the tattoo parlor in Silent Springs, Arkansas, in Benton County. So anyway, it seems to be such a a prevalent thing that it's important for our kids to understand where that came from, and it it is a very, and God says this is something he does not want us to do. So kids and, and young adults, listen to what God says, and it's in Leviticus the 19th chapter, 26 through 29, You shall not eat anything with blood, neither shall you use enchantment nor observe times. You shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shall you mar the corners of your beard. Well, most of us are clean shaven, except for one of my sons that still has a beard over there. So he he keeps it, and he doesn't mar it up. He doesn't put these things on it. You notice even the uh, um, um, athletes now are doing a little of this and a little of that. Well, God says that's not something we're supposed to be doing. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. Um, I am the Lord. And in verse 29, for all of us, do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. We live in a society that is very immoral today. And I hate to say that, but it is extremely immoral. And for young people, the the, I don't know what you want to call them, heroes, or the ones that they look up to, the young people that they look up to, especially the young women today, and the young actresses and the young singers today, they have a terrible moral. um, And a lot of them really do prostitute themselves in more than one way. And they do it through the internet. They do it on uh, through their music. They do it um, in ways that a few years ago we would think was totally immoral. When I was growing up, there was none of this going on in the, in, in the world. There was not the capability to go into the internet and see the kind of things we we're able to see. So parents, you need to be very careful what your young people are listening to and what they are watching. And you, as young people, you you need to have the character also. Also, you need to have the character to resist the things that are out there in the world. I had one on sarcasm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, um, Jesus sometimes would use that. He would... uh, especially from for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he would come up and tell them they were white and sepulchers, and they were this and they were that. And then I got to thinking a little bit about what the society is doing in schools and stuff, and it began to worry me a little bit because sarcasm could also be called bullying, especially if you used it very much in school, and you could be in trouble with your in your school. So I, I found in Matthew, the fifth chapter, here's Hear what Jesus said we should be doing. If you're having problems with, with bullies and different different ones in school, first of all, if it's really bad, you need to tell your parents. You need to let them know that you're having problems. Don't let it get to the point where you are so depressed that you you know you want to take your life. That's that's not where we want to go. But Jesus said he, that he set us an example. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies, verse, verse 44 of Matthew, the fifth chapter, he said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. So sometimes when we have an individual that might be bullying us in school or giving us problems, even in our, even us older people, we heard about that earlier, us older people can also have that on the workforce, different people can take advantage and, and start doing that to us. So we we need to take Jesus' advice. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publican the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than the others? Do not even the publican so? Be you therefore perfect. In other words, mature, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Jesus set us an example. Um, he was, when, he, when he went before the, the magistrates and all of that at the end, he did not raise his hand against them. He told them that he could, have, he could have brought legions of angels, but it was not that time. He told them that his servants would fight someday, but it was not at that time. He asked for their forgiveness. He asked the Father to forgive them because they knew not what they were doing. And so we need to go to Jesus. We need to understand his perspective in this society. And I know what's different. I know that there's, there's probably a lot of things that are going on in the young people's life that's different than, than, than what um, when I was young. There was a question overcoming a trial. And I didn't get any scriptures because this would take probably quite a long time. Well, I did too. I've got one here. Um, overcoming a trial. Trust Jesus. Pray. Believe, and then I said don't follow. Friends doing wrong, don't follow. Tempted to do wrong, don't do it. In Proverbs that first chapter of Proverbs Ian made a made a point the other Bible study that you could take all of these questions, you could go down through Proverbs, and you could you could find answers to your questions in Proverbs. It's very full. Begin in verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, consent you not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Or let us go rob somebody. Or let us go take drugs. Or let us do this, let us do that. Resist it. No, don't go after them. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Sounds good, doesn't it? sounds great cast your lot among us let us all have one purse my son walk not you in the way with them refrain your foot from their path for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood for, our, for anyone that's listening understand there's a mob mentality there is an individual as an individual you can pretty much move away But when you get into a mob, when you get into a group or gang, there is a gang or mob mentality that moves within that. And I think somewhat it's either demon possession or, or Satan possession that gets into those mobs, and they will do anything. They'll rob, they'll steal, they'll kill in those mobs. They think they can get away with it because they're in a large mob. The Bible says don't go after it. Don't go after it. And if you see someone doing something, try to help them to understand that it's wrong. Try to help them to understand it's wrong. And if you see a mob forming, please don't get involved in it. Get away from it. And hopefully they will disperse too. Um, I have one here that was very interesting. and And I can understand where he might be coming from. What if someone offers you money on the Sabbath? If somebody offers you money on the Sabbath, well, from my perspective, I would take the money, be thankful for it, but let's not spend it till after the Sabbath is over. With let's hold on to it until the Sabbath is over, and then you can take and spend that money. That's how I would look at that. <laughs> Ungodly habits. Here was another question. Boy, I mean, sometimes we we get into habits that we can't seemed to get away from. I was, um, when I was, actually I started when I was 14, but I kind of quit for a while. When I was 16, I got the, the, the smoking habit, and I liked and never got rid of that. It was, uh, <clears throat> it really had a hold of me. So ungodly habits like smoking, alcohol, drugs, cursing. First of all, I said, don't start. <laughs> that's a That's a good place, don't start. If you, if you seem to be tempted and you know that it's a problem, alcohol or any of those, especially drugs, and somebody offers you, no, don't start. Kids, just resist and don't start. Let's say that you get into something. Pray that God will help you to stop before it's too late. Because sometimes things like, especially the drugs of today, are so dangerous. They are so... Some of the drugs are so dangerous that even the, <laughs> even the uh, fire department has to put on hazmat suits if somebody has been making meth. Now how in the world can you actually take that stuff when it's so dangerous to even be around it? It's amazing what our young people and what people are actually getting involved in. And it's a, it is a, a, an epidemic in some, some, some quarters. We even had a couple of three of them where I worked that actually admitted that they had been in jail for making and selling meth and even taking it. It is so dangerous. God wants our bodies to be healthy and to be strong and not to have those things that will destroy us. Stop before it's too late. Let's say that you are in, in into that and you have problems. Let's say you have alcohol or something like that. Seek help if you need it. Please, seek help if you need it. I mean, I. I sometimes you do need to go to someone. You need to have someone to help you through it. And especially if you're deep in it and, and it's been many years since, you, since you've since you had that problem. You might need some help to get through it. And again, I said quit. I, I picked Galatians 5 and I, I want to go through this just real quickly here, because I want all of us to understand that God has inspired the words of his Bible for us to understand about evil and about good, so that we can resist the evil and do what is good. In, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 19, he gives us a, a list of things that, that are bad for us. They are called the works of the flesh and are manifest, which are these. And the first one is adultery. And we have a plague of that in the world today. And it seems like families do not, are not able to stay together because of certain things that are happening in their families. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. I mean, that's sensuality. You can't go to a store anymore without sensuality on the magazines and stuff. It's really very getting very difficult. Idolatry. We worship everything. We worship our idols uh, that are in Hollywood. We worship our cars. We worship this. We worship that. We worship money. This society is full of idolatry. You can look around and you can find it. Witchcraft. um, Wiccans. Different ones. uh, they're, They're there. Sometimes they hide. Sometimes they come out. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. I mean, look at the cities that have come, become wrathful and strifeful and seditions and heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, such like. Of these which I tell you before and I have told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If your children and our children want to inherit the kingdom of God, they're going to have to, be, they're going to, have to understand that there is wickedness and there's bad things in the society. We have to also help them to understand that there's good things that God teaches us, and that's the fruit of the Spirit, to to want, to love, to have joy, to peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there are no laws. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections thereof and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So, ungodly habits, they need to be broken. They need to, you need to, to work on them. You need to, to do what it, you can to quit them. Um, I love this one. My wife loves this one. I don't know whether um, it, it's going to happen or not, but maybe it will. Resurrection of pets. In the kingdom, will we be able to resurrect our pets? <laughs> She's got a little dog. She loved that little dog. And she wants to resurrect that little dog in the kingdom. I wrote down, God's will sets the rules in the kingdom. And we hope that God will allow us the fa- the, f- that favor. But there might be greater things that will uh, you know, be to our pleasure. I don't know. I mean, God has a, a tremendous, uh, huge universe for us. With all kinds of things that we can do, and so there may be greater things than just resurrecting our pet. But then again, who knows? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past God to allow us to do that. There was here's one on the what to do on the Sabbath. That gets pretty tricky. I will say, I will go to Isaiah the 58th chapter and read just a couple of verses. Everybody's really, really familiar with Isaiah 58, and Everyone has their own idea, and I think that whatever is of faith is important to you. That's what you should be doing. He says, if you turn away your feet, your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. So from that, we find that we are to put away those things that we normally do. Uh, for For students, put away your homework. Try not to do it on the Sabbath. Let's put it away. Let's do something different. Let's enjoy and rejoice on the Sabbath. God set it aside for us to be pleasurable, to be rejoicing in just as the Feast of Tabernacles so how about us that are working, we we, we take off we don't work on the Sabbath we're supposed to take off and enjoy and, and enjoy the Sabbath we don't do those things that are normal work day things each one will have to make their own decisions in that, we can read the Bible read what it says and you will have to make that I had an interesting also an, a, another interesting question. Reading the Bible. Now uh, one of the one of the points was, well, how do I do it when I'm so busy? <laughs> I've got so much going on, I can't take time to read the Bible, and I, I, I would like to be able to read the Bible. Well, once again, I give out my trusty stuff. Um, if you have an iPad, put a e-sword on it. And you can read anywhere that your battery is still good. <laughs> if your battery goes down while you're reading, we well, you have a problem. Well, you can't read it while you're driving. So those of you who are old enough to drive, please don't be doing that while you're driving. But anytime you can click on eSword and up it comes and you've got um, all kinds of Bible readings that you can do. And there's a whole bunch of things in there. And I didn't bring my phone, but I, it, I, I'll put this up there. You all have these. There's also apps for daily reading. You can load an app that has a, a daily reading on it, and every day you'll have a scripture that you can read. And I found one real really easy, didn't have any problem finding it. You all have these things, you carry them around in your pocket, you get text messages and stuff all the time from everybody. You could take a few seconds to read a scripture, read a, a verse, or read a whole chapter and by a whole year, you can go through the Bible very, very easily. So, daily reading. Um, also, there's DVDs that you can put into your, to your vehicles. Um, of course, online Bibles also. There's all kinds of things that you can, can use to fill in that short period of time that you feel like you, you can't take t- to read. It's the same with, with, with prayer. There's always a little time to pray to God even if you're driving you can be praying while you're driving especially if you're alone you can yell out and you know talk to God and pray and ask God and be alone with him on the, on the car in the car i, I it takes me a, about an hour to get to work and i have time to pray i can pray and ask God all kinds of things while i'm driving so there's many many avenues that we can have to read and study and, and and gain from God's word. In Proverbs the third chapter, I want to show you some everybody that's left in here that would is that Proverbs is filled with all kinds of wisdom. All kinds of wisdom for old and young alike. And I I really do encourage our young people to get familiar with the book of Proverbs and also the book of Psalms. There are 31 Proverbs. You can do a proverb a day. There are 100 and some Psalms, and you can divide those up into 31 days, and you can do Psalms a day. So you can get very familiar with Psalms and Proverbs and become very good at, at, at what God wants you to understand out of his word and of course <clears throat> uh, the, the, um, the gospels also and you can fill all of those in beginning in verse 1 of Proverbs the 3rd chapter my son forget not my law but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you when you get the wisdom out of the bible it adds long life to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes we get, we we think we understand something and we don't. And we go we go off and and we get in trouble. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. I don't think any of our children probably have any trouble understanding the evil in drugs, the evil in in certain things in, in life. Sometimes peer pressure gets to them and they are tempted, just as we are, to dabble or get involved. Or they think they have to have friends that do that. And in fact, that's how I got involved in smoking on a, re- on a regular basis. We had two other guys that I was friends with. That's what we were doing. We had this these cars that after we were in them for a while with all the windows rolled up, it was yellow windows and yellow this and yellow that. <sighs> Surprised that I can even breathe today. And I do have asthma, by the way. And I only smoked for three and a half years, or about three years. I only smoked for about three years. And it, and it finally caught up to me. It took me a long time, but I think that's what happened, that I finally got it. And my lungs have been weak ever since. So they, they can be bad. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. Children start early giving of your substance. A little bit that you give now can prepare you for the time when you're tithing and giving to God on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be much. You get allowance or something, take a tenth out of it and put it in the church. And that way you get used to doing it so that you honor God with what you receive. So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall be burst out with new wine. My my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father the son in whom he delights. Understand that when your mom and dad correct you or get after you for something, it's because they love you. It's because they love you. And they want you to go in the right direction. I remember I was re, kind of rebellious and hard to get along with sometimes. And I look at my mom and my dad and I think back and they were so patient with me. So patient with me. And God, I think, was patient with me too in some ways. And finally called me. Um, and I I know that uh, there were things that I was doing that were was very displeasing to my parents. And so Children, remember and, and, and when, when your parents correct you that they love you because the same happens with the Lord. He loves us and corrects us as a father, the son whom he delights. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things that you can desire are not to be compared to her length of days is in your right hand and her left hand riches and honor her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is the one that retains her it's wonderful whenever we gain that understanding and truth and all of that and we really grasp it God very gives us all of that into our our life and he opens our eyes. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding he's established the heavens. Children and and young adults and any in this room who have not proved that God is the creator and, and believes that we came from pond scum is missing out on a wonderful thing to understand and to learn. Because it, it opens up the marvel of the Bible when you understand that there's a great creator out there who has made all of this for his children. All that we see, if you go out in the night and you see the stars out there and you see all that's in the, in the heavens, he's made it for his children, young and old, from babies to, to the aged. He loves his creation, and he loves us, and he loves And he wants to shower those things upon us. Okay, I'm trying to find out where I am. By wisdom has founded the earth, by understanding has established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then shall you walk in your way safely, and your foot shall not stumble. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yea, you shall lie down, and your sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be your confidence, and shall keep your foot from being taken. When we have confidence in God, even the point of death is is not so fearful. I mean, all are going to die at one time. The understanding that God has a place for us in the kingdom and that we will be resurrected into that kingdom gives us confidence in our life. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power what is in the power of your hand to do it. Say not to your neighbor, "Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give you." Uh, I will give when you have it to give, or when you have it by you. Despise not evil against your or devise not evil against your neighbor, seeing he dwells securely by you. Strive not with a man without cause, if we have done you no harm. Envy you not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. Sometimes we look at um, things that are going on in the world, and um, and then maybe we envy some things, but God says don't, don't envy those. That, that's not his way. That's not what he wants us to be. For the forward is an abomination to the Lord. But his secret is with the righteous. (laughs) God has given us the secret of of his kingdom in the the Feast of Tabernacles. The secret of his kingdom is in the the feast. And we keep that year after year after year waiting for God to bring the feast to the earth when we will all be together. And we will, will teach and train both young and old in this way. He says, The curse of the Lord is the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. Surely he scorns the scorners, but he gives grace to the, lo- to the lo- uh, lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but the shame shall be the promotion of fools. Brethren, it is a wonderful thing to understand these days and the, and the importance of them and the glory in them. And it's also an, a wonderful thing to have these young people. Um, I know I'm old and gray, and but I've raised a lot of children. And I have a lot of grandchildren. And I have, I hope I, I stay around long enough to have some great, great grandchildren. Looking forward to that, too. Um, it is something that I've always been thankful for, that God has blessed us with that. Um, and I know that uh, in this life, uh, Maybe today I would not have as many because it's it's so difficult to raise children, and it's also a very difficult thing to um, uh, have enough money to raise a a large family like we did. I was blessed with a good job, and um, and even then it was a struggle. But I was thankful for the children that I've had and the grandchildren that I have now, and I'm thankful, father, uh, so thankful to the father that's blessed us with understanding of his truth and the kingdom of God and the the Feast of Tabernacles. And I would like to leave you again, as I always do, and I probably will also tomorrow, I think I've been asked, but I want to do it today again because God loves us so much and he gave us his son and that son died for us and we have so many blessings that I want to put a blessing on you. And he spoke to Aaron about this blessing. He told Aaron always to give this blessing, and they probably did it at the Feast of Tabernacles. They were all gathered, and they came, and they were all gathered together. And he said, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying on this, You shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.